0: Hello and welcome to Charity Chat, the ACNC's podcast. My name is Matt Crichton and I'm from the ACNC's education team. In this episode, I spoke with Amanda Robinson from the Australian Red Cross about innovation. We spoke about a couple of innovative projects the Red Cross is developing, innovation broadly and its driving forces, and how innovation and collaboration is beneficial for charities. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Good morning, Amanda. Thanks very much for joining us on Charity Chat to have a discussion about what I think will be quite a fascinating topic and maybe even a novel one for many people in the not-for-profit sector, and that is innovation. Before we do get into it, though, could you give the listeners of the podcast just a brief overview of who you are and your role with the Red Cross?
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt, and thanks for having me. Um, so I am uh, Amanda Robinson, I am Head of Social Innovation at Australian Red Cross um, and I lead a team of innovators who are really looking for you know those wicked problems for us to help solve um, and for Red Cross to, to be a lead in, in solving those problems. Um, so the, currently what we're working on is um, a big project around digital identity and the other being Humanitech.
0: This is the reason why we thought your views on innovation would be great for the podcast because of that project you just mentioned, Humanitech. Could you just give people an overview of what Humanitech is and, and what it hopes to achieve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Humanitech was established uh, coming up three years ago now um, and really it started out as a, an idea. Um, based on what we were seeing out there in the world, um, uh, particularly around technology, and as the name would suggest, this sort of intersection of humanity and technology. Um, and as we've particularly seen over the last 18 months to two years with COVID, we are really starting to see technology being rolled out at a faster and faster pace, and the implications of that for us as a society are huge. And as a humanitarian organisation, what we're interested in and how is that how is the, the application of those technologies impacting on society, on community, and particularly those people who are experiencing vulnerability. And so we came up with this idea for what we call a think and do tank that That's really cool. seeks to examine what are those implications both now and into the future, but also to help develop technologies and develop solutions to problems using technology that really ensure that humans are at the core and in control.
0: Yeah, right. And at the moment, you've got a a couple of more specific projects on the go, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So as part of our do piece for Humanitech, um, we are in the process of standing up um, our lab and we're going to have our first cohort of projects going through the lab, and there's uh, six that are starting that process now. Um, but over the past couple of years, we have also um, incubated a digital identity verification tool um, called Traverse and a collective alliance called the Trust Alliance to enable the sharing of portable digital credentials.
0: Well, I suppose a think can do, Tank, with a lab is fertile ground for lots of innovation to come out in over the next few years. But, I suppose those two projects that y- you mentioned in particular, we'll, we'll get into some of the details of those because they do sound like great examples of innovative solutions to problems. And the first one you mentioned was Traverse. Can you give us an idea of what the Traverse project is and and what its aims are?
1: Yeah. So Traverse and Trust Alliance are very complementary. Traverse is a a tool and the problem to solve was um, portability of volunteers. Um, So what we were seeing, particularly as an organisation who is uh, led, which is led by volunteering, How do we enable both the portability of volunteers between organisations, recognising that people are increasingly volunteering with more than one organisation, but also in times of crisis, how do we mobilise people quickly? And COVID has put another um, lens on that because as we are not able to move people around the state or around the country as easily, how do we actually mobilise people who are already in a community who might have the credentials to be able to go and help? Um, So what we started to do was think about how do we actually give people credentials that they get when they're onboarding with an organisation like Red Cross? Um, And they can be compliance type credentials like police checks or working with children's checks through to the long tail of training credentials, be that first aid or, um, you know, food safety handling that someone might need if they're helping out an evacuation centre, for instance. So our concept was if we were to give people a digital credential of of those things that they can hold and carry with them um, and then present in times of crisis, for instance, um, that someone can easily verify those credentials then we're able to mobilise a volunteer force much more quickly, effectively and safely than we can today. Um, And so that's the problem that we set out to solve. And I guess using frontier technologies like blockchain and verifiable credentials was a way for us to really get some momentum around that and do it in a way that um, hasn't been done before.
0: So I I suppose previously, Many volunteers would have run into the obstacle of not being able to show they have the right credentials or not being able to prove it or different organisations not recognising different credentials. And and this gets past that obstacle and allows volunteers to do more work with more organisations more quickly.
1: That's exactly right, Matt. So the first problem there is, yeah, is this credential valid? Has it been issued um, and is it still, it hasn't expired? So the great thing with digital credentials is that you can actually verify them in real time. So if I run up to an evacuation centre with a first aid certificate, whoever's in that evacuation centre can verify in real time that it's been issued by Red Cross or by St John's or whoever has issued that credential and that it's still valid and that it hasn't been tampered with or forged or faked. Um, the other part of that which you touched on is around this sort of trust element, and that's where the Trust Alliance came in. So the yeah. Trust Alliance is currently, I think, 20-plus members and growing of organisations who are creating those trust standards to say, well, if organisation X has issued this credential, then organisation Y can accept those credentials and know that it's trustworthy. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're creating this network and ecosystem of organisations who can accept and trust each other's credentials.
0: That's one of the necessary pieces in this, working as effectively as it could, is the organisations being involved and in recognising the different credentials that are out there.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, it just takes out that sort of, I guess, subjectivity for someone that's in an organisation, because, you know, if you're there and you can see that Red Cross has issued a credential, that's great. And Red Cross is a trusted organisation and is a very well-known brand, Um, But for a smaller community organisation who has issued their credential, then maybe it's a little less clear for someone that's, you know, in the moment as to whether, you know, we can trust that it's been issued by that organisation and that it's valid and that it hasn't been tampered with. But, you know, there may be some subjectivity around, you know, whether that's okay to accept that credential. And so creating that shared standards, that shared I guess, ecosystem of organisations who are issuing and accepting credentials just makes it a little bit easier for the for the process to occur.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I suppose just beyond these specific projects, we'd like to get your thoughts on innovation more generally. And, and in particular, innovation in the charity sector, because I think many people... Associate innovation with uh, technological developments, and I know you touched on technology being um, a key component of the projects with Humanitech. But the technology itself isn't necessarily the the source of the innovation, right? But it seems to be that problem solving was the heart of the desire to innovate in, in these instances. Do you think that's what innovation really is? It's, it's an attempt to uh, think about things differently or, or to solve problems that you may have identified.
1: Absolutely, Matt. And, um, you know, there's that saying that, um, you know, fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Humanitech is focused on the, the intersection of technology and humanity. So that's why sort of we have that focus and particularly frontier technology. And technology um, can be a great enabler. Um, But that in and of itself is not the problem to solve. The problem to solve, and and in the sector that we operate, there's many problems to solve, and they're complex, wicked problems. Um, And so innovation is really, you know, that process of deploying effective solutions to challenging problems. And that effective solution may involve technology as an enabler, and it may not. Um, But really what we need to do is fall in love with the problem and really think quite expansively about how we solve that problem.
0: Yeah, right. And I think a lot of people in charities will certainly recognise that sentiment. They, They can see the problems, they know there are problems. But do you think charities or people in charities could benefit from a focus on innovative thinking, thinking through problems in a different way to maybe lead to solutions that they hadn't considered before and ultimately innovation? Do you think it's something that could benefit charities?
1: Absolutely. I think it's essential for us to be thinking in an innovative way about the problems that we seek to solve because that's the only way that we're going to get real change into the future. Mm -hmm. I've been reflecting a lot recently after the last, I think, four and a half years that I've been in Red Cross, um, and particularly the experience that we've had in, in innovating, is around how do we really start to see some momentum. Um, I come from a product development background and so um, you've been thinking a lot about lean product, lean startup, Um, and actually there's this sort of increasing movement around lean impact. And I think that's really helpful because what that says is think big, so have that really big goal and big vision of of the problem that we want to solve, but start small. Start small and iterate. So, you know, I think sometimes those big complex problems are so big and complex that it's like... Where do we even start? So yeah, trying right. to to have that vision in mind, um, but start really small and and iterate. So this sort of testing and learning, gathering insights, Uh, and continuing to evolve um, based on the insights that we're gathering um, and to relentlessly seek impact. So each, as as we go, each sort of um, experiment or proof of concept that we run, what's the impact that we're seeing? If we're not seeing impact, then where do we sort of pivot and and, um, try something different so that we are seeing impact and then continuing to evolve? And the process takes time, and I think that's sometimes some of the challenges that... You know the, these solutions that we're seeking to affect or the impact that we're seeking to have is going to take time and we need to be resilient and we need to have tenacity um, and we need to keep relentlessly seeking that impact. But thinking big, starting small, yeah. and relentlessly seeking impact is is my new mantra.
0: That is a good mantra. And I think a lot of people get a lot out of that. There are a couple of points I want to pick up on there, and I suppose they're related, but first, do you think charities can develop a, a culture of innovative thinking through habits? So as you say think big, but, but start small. Mm. If you start small on, on all the little things, all the things that you, the charity has to do and thinking differently about each of those little challenges, no matter how small they may seem, but just trying mm. to think can facilitate a, a culture of innovative thinking that can then work to bigger things in over over time.
1: Yes, I do, and there are three um, accepted levels of innovation. Um, so the first being incremental innovation, um, the second being breakthrough in innovation, and then the third being transformational transformational innovation Mm -hmm. and i think some of the work that we are doing at red cross in social innovation is sort of in that transformational bucket or between breakthrough and transformational but that incremental innovation um, is something that we should be doing all the time and it is a mindset and it's something that we need to practice Um, so you know i think looking for those opportunities where we can have incremental innovation in our day-to-day work and applying that sort of mindset does build our innovation muscle if you like and allows us to then sort of step through those other two stages of um, or levels of innovation. Um, And so I think, you know, there's nothing to stop us doing that today Mm. um, and setting the time aside to think about what that innovation looks like. Um, And I know setting time aside when you're working in the the charity sector, um, particularly at the moment, is really, really challenging. And I think that's why we sometimes struggle is that we're so busy Doing the doing that it's hard to sort of lift your head up and and think about how we could do things better or differently. So I recognize that that is a challenge, and we do have to be quite determined and deliberate about setting aside that time.
0: Yeah, right. Well, that that was the that was the second point I was going to touch on with that mantra is the thing. You'll common here is that we we simply don't have time. We don't have time to sit around and think about these things. We've got so much to do, and yeah. it's a luxury we just can't afford but do you think that that itself is a mindset and and although it is true certainly it is true that people don't have as much time as they'd like they can be deliberate about these things mm-hmm. and these habits or even even um and i mean this in the, in the the best possible way force it upon themselves mm-hmm. to be about things or to to make the time whether it be yeah a 20 minute break every week or a 30 minute thing something small do you think it's it's worth doing
1: Most definitely. And you're right, it is challenging. And I've really had to challenge myself recently to set aside that time and to to do the reading and to do the thinking and to, you know, look out beyond sort of what our immediate environment is. Um, because we get so busy in the day to day. But I think trying to carve out time in your day or your week, we as a team have a day once a quarter where we sort of unplug and from devices and, and go and and do reading and, and catch up on all that sort of creative thinking that allows us to be innovative and to stay across the trends that are happening mm-hmm. out there in the broader world and not just in the sector. And I think that's one thing that I would really encourage people to do is sort of look across sectors and industries and see where innovation is happening mm-hmm. and, and what people are doing and talking about to see how that could be applied to our sector as well. Um, but I think you do have to be very deliberate because we sort of discount the future benefit of what this, in, what innovation can do and the benefit mm-hmm. that can it bring because we are so busy and if we keep putting it off then we will we'll never get to it. So. It you know sometimes feels like a luxury or you know I don't have time and there are these pressing deadlines and pressing needs but we are actually doing ourselves a disservice if we don't put that time aside.
0: Yeah definitely and, and it is it's that it's that long-term thinking the long-term benefits which you can't see immediately but yes, you know yeah. when you unlock that door that really does make a change for your organisation.
1: Yeah yeah.
0: Just coming back to Humanitech specifically and I suppose all the projects that are in train with Humanitech, but but in particular the ones we've already touched on. If people are interested in getting involved, because as we mentioned, something like Trust Alliance requires organisations to make the whole project work, how, how can organisations get involved with Trust Alliance and, and even Traverse? Is there a, a high entry cost as far as technology goes? Do, do you need to have um, special apps or developers to be even involved in something like this?
1: No is a short answer, Matt. Um, so in, uh, so I guess the, the, across all of them, um, feel free to get in touch with me and I'm happy to direct people in the right way. For both Humanitech and Trust Alliance there, uh, we have a website if people are interested in just sort of having a look and and seeing and hearing more about what we do. Um, And there are various sort of channels through which to engage. In terms of Traverse, then um, again, happy to put people in touch with the Traverse team. But we are, you know, really looking particularly, you know, for the Trust Alliance, I guess, to grow that ecosystem of organisations who are interested in understanding a bit more about how verifiable credentials can help enable more humanitarian outcomes, can uh, enable volunteering, can help people who are, you know, experiencing vulnerability. So we're really trying to identify and surface uh, use cases by which to try this technology Mm -hmm. and also uplift the sector more broadly. So, you know, this is still, well, the technology itself isn't nascent. Um, or, or, or it is still emerging, but, you know, it's been blockchain's been yeah. around for 10 years now. Um, but actually applying it in real world context, there's not a lot of of people that have actually in the sector really tried to do this. And so, you know, we learn by doing. And so the more that we can have people learning and, and understanding how this works, gathering the insights and the evidence Um, then we'll be able to to really, I guess, grasp the full potential of what these technologies can offer.
0: Yeah, great. And of course, collaboration is a key in the charity sector. Lots of organisations are very familiar with how that can benefit their organisation and, of course, the people they're trying to help through other projects. But if your organisation is small and doesn't have quite the capacity to take something as innovative as this on itself, then collaborating is is a great way to learn how new technologies and new projects can benefit your organisation's work too.
1: Absolutely and that's really at the crux what Humanitech was all about it's how do we convene across sectors across industries to collaborate because as we know you know none of these problems are going to be solved by one organisation or one sector alone they require the thought and the expertise of, of multiple people across multiple perspectives and so we're really trying to drive this engaged and inspired cross-sector community that are are seeking to solve these problems.
0: Well thank you very much for your time today Amanda. We really appreciate all your insights and um, the experience that you've had in leading these projects and we think that there are a lot of people in the sector that are listening to this and will take away some excellent tips and inspiration for their own organisations.
1: Thanks Matt, it's been a real pleasure.
0: For more episodes of Charity Chat, as well as useful resources such as guides, sheets, and webinars, visit acnc.gov.au. And don't forget to subscribe to Charity Chat wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.